Hi, this is Suzanne Atkinson with Try to Listen, the podcast for curious triathletes. Each episode features an interview with an athlete, coach, or scientist whose passion lies in triathlon. It's my job to uncover their story. Hello, and thanks for joining me today on Try to Listen. I'm your host, Suzanne Atkinson, and I'm happy to have you here today. We have a really special interview from two very important people in my life. Kirsten Sass, and her father, Volker Winkler. This interview is important for many reasons. In 2015, Kirsten and her father, Volker, fulfilled a lifelong dream for both of them. Volker's dream was to race in the Ironman World Championships in Kona. However, after doing nearly a dozen Ironman races, he'd failed to finish high enough in his age group. However, the Kona Legacy Program allowed dedicated Ironman athletes at that time an opportunity to win a lottery spot for the race. In order to enter the lottery, an athlete must have finished 12 Ironman brand races. There are several other criteria that you'll hear Volker explain in his interview. The Volkers that problem had only done eight Ironman branded races at that time. A natural born problem solver, he signed up for four Ironman races in 2014, allowing him to qualify for the lottery. And he was fortunate enough to win one of the spots for the 2015 Ironman World Championships. At that point, his daughter Kirsten had her own dream of racing with him in Hawaii. She had already signed up for two Ironman races that year, but decided to add a third, Ironman Louisville, in order to increase her chances of finishing high enough to qualify in her age group. In October of 2015, Kirsten and Volker, along with most of their family, friends from home, traveled to Kailua Kona to celebrate and support each other. I was fortunate enough to be there as well and I sat down after the race to interview Kirsten and her father, Volker. I interviewed each of them separately about their experience attempting to make it to the race together. The interviews took place on the lanai of their rental house, and you can hear in the background birds, the hum of conversation in the house, and an occasional truck. What makes this interview even more distinct is the fact that Volker passed away two years ago in an unexpected accident while riding his elliptigo. This interview captures a forever moment between a father and daughter bonded by their love for triathlon. I'm honored to have been part of their experience together. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi, this is Suzanne Atkinson, and today I'm interviewing Kirsten Sass. Uh, Kirsten is here with me in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, uh, during the week of Ironman Kona World Championships. Thanks for joining me, Kirsten. Glad to be here, Suzanne. <laughs> um, Kirsten has um, deserved, well deserved the title of the 2013 Amateur Athlete of the Year from USA Triathlon uh, for female age groupers. Um, and last year, she won several high-profile events, including um, the New York Triathlon. Uh, she won Best of the U.S and she also won the Hybia National Championships. And I believe there may be one or two other notable first place victories from 2013. <laughs> Gulf Coast, Half Ironman, Memphis in May. Just a few little races here, here and there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then this year, uh, she ended up qualifying for um, Ironman Kona by winning her age group at Ironman Louisville about five weeks ago now. Yes, that's so, correct. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, what I really wanted to talk to you about today is uh, your your motivation for trying to qualify for Kona this year in particular. Uh, I understand um, your father competed at Ironman Kona this year. Um, tell me a little bit about your father and your memories of him as far as um, him being uh, a triathlete. 
My father's always been a huge influence on me. We're lucky to have a very good relationship. We work together, we're good friends, we train together. And about when I was in high school, I can remember he really started getting into triathlons. And for years and years, his biggest dream was to qualify and race in Kona. And he's been unfortunate to never be able to place high enough in his age group to qualify. So last year, he went on a serious mission to try to qualify for the lottery legacy program by doing 12 Ironman. So in order to get his 12 in, he did four Ironman last year, signed up for Florida <laughs> this year, and put his name in. And in February, he was lucky enough to, to be drawn and selected. <laughs> so we were all so excited. And then my, my first thought was, that, wow, I'm so excited he got in. And my second thought is... How cool would it be able to race Hawaii with him while he's out there living his dream? Yeah, so. that's really neat. Is that something that you had thought about in the past when he said that he wanted to try and qualify for Kona? Did you say, hey, it would be great if I could compete with him? I think it was always kind of there in the back of my mind, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't your first trip to Kona. No, I was here 10 years ago in 2004. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, were you looking forward to doing the race course again? I was. I thought it would be... Very interesting to come back with more experience. At that time, it was my second Ironman ever, and my first Ironman, it was like everything that could possibly go right did. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it was a little deceiving. Uh -huh. Not the so, typical triathlon experience. No. So um, coming back with more experience and certainly having done more Ironmans, I was interested to see how I would do. Mm -hmm. So how many Ironmans have you done total up to this point? So that made 10. 10 total, including Ten total last in weekend. Correct. Great. And before you found out your dad was had qualified, you'd already signed up for a couple Ironmans in 2014. We did. We had agreed to do Ironman Chattanooga, of course, being from Tennessee. It was kind of like the hometown race. Mm -hmm. And then we had several friends locally who were not able to get into Chattanooga who wanted to do Florida. So we signed up for both thinking, well, half of us were doing Chattanooga and half Florida, so we'd just do both. <laughs> <laughs> so you and your dad are signed, had signed up for both races? Yes. Okay. Um, so what you said it was February when? you found out that he got an, a lottery spot? I think it was February, yes. All right, so what was your reaction then when you found out he got the spot? Well, I knew that Chattanooga would not qualify me for Hawaii this year if I were lucky enough to get a slot. So then I had to look and see what other Ironman still had slots available, and <laughs> which was fairly close to home and financially feasible and mm -hmm. meshed with my race schedule that was already set up. So <laughs> Louisville was the lucky winner. Uh -huh. Now, that's a tough race because it's in the heat. A lot of people have trouble with that. I was very concerned about that because in the past I don't have a very good track record racing in the heat either but mm -hmm. I knew it was my best bet to try so mm -hmm. do you feel like you have any benefit compared to other people in your age group traveling to the race because of where you live and where you normally train certainly what's it like in Tennessee where you live very similar to Louisville it gets hot and humid in the summer and the terrain especially on the bike course was very similar rolling hills farmland mm -hmm. so I honed into that a lot during the race mm -hmm. Um, and how did that race unfold for you on that day? You know, I had a lot of ups and downs. It was a roller coaster of a race. I had some points where I felt really bad. The bike is usually my strong point, and it took me about till mile 80 of the bike to actually start feeling good. And the run is a two-loop course, and my father was there cheering me on. And when I passed him and my friends there at the halfway point, I was having a real lull. The more the sun came out, the slower I went. <laughs> so at mile 13, I was not sure how the rest of my marathon was going to go. But mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough things turned around. I started feeling better, and I was mm -hmm. able to have a great race. The last half of the marathon, I felt fantastic and was able to pull through a good, solid finish. Uh-huh. Congratulations. And so you won your age group, I correct? won my age group. And when you crossed the finish line, uh, what kind of thoughts were you having at that time? I was just so excited, especially 
for my father. On the back of my race bib, I wrote, for my papa. <laughs> and that's what I thought about the whole race. I tried not to think about the finish line too much, but I just wanted to be able to show him that and let him know that that was the whole reason that I really did that race. And for it all to come together and, you know, getting a Hawaii slot is not an easy thing. And I sure don't take it for granted. So it was just amazing that it all fell together. And mm -hmm. it was so exciting to see him at the finish line. And mm -hmm. he knew and I knew. And uh -huh. it, was, it was a really special moment. That's really neat. Who Was there anyone else there to share that moment with there you There was. My husband was there dressed as Elvis. <laughs> my two children. My children were three and four at the time. And then a couple other family friends, mm -hmm. Bertha, oh, some other triathletes locally who kind of knew what I was doing and came out there to support me. That's great. And um, did you know as soon as you crossed the finish line that you'd taken first in your age group, or did you have to wait around for a little bit? I still didn't know. Everybody told me, but I still like to kind of see it in black and white and actually sure. go through the award ceremony before I'm, like, definitively sure. So yeah. I was excited, and um, I, I trusted them. So. Yeah. <laughs> and at that race in particular, they have a time trial swim start. Yes. So you don't know where other people in your age group may be relative to you. That's right. And they were tracking at the time. They told me there was another girl who got within about four seconds of me. Oh. <laughs> so it was, there were some very close moments there. Uh -huh. But were you aware of those while you were racing? Not at all. So during a race like that, when your goal uh, is, when your primary goal was to try and get an Ironman slot, which pretty much means you needed to win your age group, that's almost a guarantee or a second or third, maybe, depending maybe. on what happens. So when you have that much pressure in a race, how do you, how does it change the way you race? Or did you not view it as pressure at all? You know, for me, it was like a best case scenario type of thing, especially in a distance like the Ironman. There are just so many different factors that go into the race. There's the physical, there's the mental, there's the nutritional. So I just had to kind of give it my best shot, try to have a good race, not worry about what anybody else was doing out there, and mm -hmm. just take each moment by moment. If I felt bad and had to slow down, I had to slow down. If I felt good and could push it, I certainly did. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't let that get into my head too much. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, now, I'm going to come back to, uh, to the Kona race in a few minutes, but um, I think it's just really interesting that you and your dad, first of all, you signed up for two Ironmans in the same summer together. It's, it's not every family that can say, hey, Dad, let's sign up for two Ironmans next year. <laughs> uh, tell me how, about how you grew up in, the, in a family that was very physically active. What was it like when you were, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade? Well, I'm the oldest of six children, and starting out, my father wanted all of us to have the experience of running a 5K. Mm -hmm. So he got us out there. He had a little training log for each of us. I think we got a gold sticker if we did our training for the day. <laughs> He said he just wanted us to have that experience. If we never ran another step, he was fine with it, mm -hmm. but at least we'd be exposed to it. And several of us didn't run another step after that, I think, for a long time. And I kind of came full circle when I went to university. He was always there doing that stuff in the background. I knew what he was doing, but never really participated. But I went to school in, up in Canada, actually the same university he went to, mm -hmm. and a very active community, very different from Tennessee where I grew up, where it was just my dad doing this and nobody else. Everybody <laughs> did stuff like this. And so... I drew a lot on what he had done and what I'd been exposed to and started falling into the triathlon scene. Mm -hmm. And when he found out, he was so excited. My first semester home or summer home, he signed me up for a local race. <laughs> oh, by the way, let's go do this. So then it just kind of became a, a tradition. I, I found a passion for triathlons. We started planning races together because it gave us a common bond. Mm -hmm. And then we started picking destination triathlons, mm. which was even more fun and traveling places like France or Lanzarote and doing races wow. there. What was the first destination race you guys remember doing? Oh, that's a good question. The, f the first really big destination race was probably Lanzarote over in the Canary Islands to oh, do that wow. Ironman there. Uh -huh. 
Uh, and as far as the number of Ironmans you had done up to that point, what where was that in the schedule? I think that was about four. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. that was my fourth one. And for your dad, how many had he done? Probably about ten. Okay, so he's done a lot. Or maybe six, yeah. He'd yeah. done a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, tell me about your brothers and sisters. So they're all younger, like I said. Uh, my brothers are not active in triathlons. They kind of dabble in the running a little bit now. Uh, my brother, my youngest brother ran his first half marathon this year and is thinking about doing a marathon. So he's getting into it. I have a brother who's in the army, so he stays physically active, but he likes to kind of do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Two brothers that aren't really too interested right now. My sister really got into it. She went to university in Australia for a few years, moved back about five years ago. And of course, since she's been back, she kind of got thrown right in the middle. And so <laughs> now she joins us on most of our escapades. All right. So you and your dad were kind of in the midst of all these destination races and bonding as father-daughter and then when your sister came home from university she was able to just slip in and join in the fun very much so um and another thing that really impresses me is you mentioned some people from home some family friends that made the trip with you here you've got an entire community that you guys have built up locally that is active in triathlon and cycling and running What's it like to be able to have that support that you didn't have when you were growing up? It's it's amazing. Um, Louisville was really one of the first races I've done where I had so many people come and watch me, and it was kind of strange being the only person really racing with everybody <laughs> else spectating. But it certainly means a lot when you're out there on the course and you know people are watching every time you cross the timing mat <laughs> to see where you are and how you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, it's huge inspiration. Yeah. Um, you guys also have a local monthly time trial series for the bike. We do. Amazingly enough, McKenzie's a small town, about 5,000 people. And we started off with about, you know, five or ten of us that really like to bike a lot. And we're like, hey, let's do a time trial once a month. And now we have over 30 people, I think, come um, draw mm-hmm. more than the bigger cities around us. Yeah. So is it kind of a destination um, monthly test in the summer? For, do people drive from that? Yeah. They drive probably about 45 minutes, an hour away, mm-hmm. some of them a couple hours. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's just for the beer and pizza afterwards, though. <laughs> is that free? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So that's how to get a big crowd and pizza. <laughs> Evidently. Uh-huh. Got to race for something. <laughs> Good. Um, do you have a favorite sport to train for? I love the bike. That I is- love the bike. I'm loving the swim more, but the bike is still my favorite. <laughs> uh-huh. um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about your, your preparation for the Ironman this year was how you were able to integrate um, training for an Ironman where you're trying to qualify for Kona along with riding with your family. Can you describe some of those family rides that you did, maybe some of your long century rides? There's still some of my favorite. One of the most major workouts I did was actually after Louisville, before Chattanooga, but I did a a serious training day with my father. I think our workout was over eight hours, but Mm -hmm. we have a place at the lake we can swim, so we met out there about five in the morning, went for this nice long swim together, got on our bikes, we rode the whole 105 miles, I think it was, together, Uh and then ran. It was just really special. How far before your uh, race was that? It was training day. I think it was about two weeks before Chattanooga, two or three weeks. Okay. And had you planned that as part of your training, or was that just a way to really enjoy spending time with your dad and help him out? Mostly a way to enjoy spending time with my dad. My coach was nice enough to let me do it. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a nice coach. I do have a wonderful coach. Thanks, Suzanne. You're welcome. Um, so a lot of people who are listening to this may um, may really be able to relate to your story as far as having done a lot of Ironmans. Other people um, may be wondering how you fit in all this time to train. Um, how do you manage to fit in eight-hour weekend training days with working full-time and having husband and two small children? 
I have a great family and work support. I tend to work longer hours during the winter and trade that off for shorter work days during the summer. I usually work from 7 to 3. I do a lot of early morning workouts. I have a very good headlamp on my bike. <laughs> um, but my husband is very supportive, and my kids are as well. So on that particular day, they let me go out, and we actually had a babysitter for the kids, so my husband and I went out for dinner afterwards. <laughs> so, But, yeah, it's all, all the support, I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do without the, the support Yeah. From family. I, it seems like that's really important and a common thread in people who are successful at, uh, at long, kind of a long-term triathlon career. I would say so for sure. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you qualified for Kona at Ironman Louisville, uh, and that was about six weeks before the race, right? I think that's right. More or less. Uh, but you didn't stop there. You were already signed up for Chattanooga, which was just a few weeks after Louisville and only two weeks before the World Championship. What compelled you to go ahead and carry on with that race rather than withdrawing or resting well, up? I had a, a tough race in Louisville in a many different aspects, and I kind of wanted to do Chattanooga as a test run to kind of work through some nutritional things I was trying out. Try to use it more of a training day, not go out and race full force. Um, and plus, I don't know, I was already signed up, and it was a hometown race, so to speak, and mm -hmm. I have a huge amount of people that I knew that were doing it, so I was just doing it for fun, more or less, uh -huh. <laughs> if that can be said for an Ironman. <laughs> right. Do you feel like that race helped you prepare for Kona? Were you able to work through some pacing or nutritional issues? It helped me a great deal because I had a lot of nutritional issues in Chattanooga, even more so than I did in Louisville, so mm -hmm. I learned what not to do <laughs> for sure in, in Chattanooga, and I think that helped me a great deal in Kona. Okay, great. So um, you arrive in Kona with your your entire extended family. How many people were here with your group? I think all together there were about a dozen of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It was fun. Um, including husband, kids, your sister. My sister, her now fiance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother in the army, my young brother, my dad, his brother and brother's wife uh -huh. all came. And then a, and a work friend as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, the weeks, or sorry, the days leading up to the race, what kind of conversations did you and your dad have? Well, we kind of talked about, we like to talk about our strategy. What are you going to do? What are you going to do nutritionally wise? What are you going to do if it's really hot, really windy? Mm -hmm. We did a couple of practice swims together, did a practice bike ride together, and mm -hmm. just kind of chilled for the most part. Yeah, relaxed. Yeah. Were there any key sessions that you did that you think were are really important if anyone else is uh, planning to come out and do this race next year? I found really getting in the water especially. I tend to be very cautious what I do leading up to a race. I err on the side of doing less. But really getting in the water before all the Ironmans I've done this year has been just integral to, to the race. Mm -hmm. So getting out there, getting comfortable, getting a feel for what to side on really helped. Why do you think that getting comfortable with the water is, is more important for you than the bike or the run course? Well... Breathing is a lot easier biking and running than it is swimming, <laughs> and currents make a difference, mm -hmm. and of course you've got the ocean and the waves and the salt, and there's just so many more aspects to the swim. To a lot of variables, it sounds like. Yes. You want to kind of get comfortable with those before the race starts? Yes. Um, how did you deal with the uh, the winds on the bike course this year? The winds were tough, <laughs> but my whole race strategy for Kona was to not kill the bike to have a good run. So I probably cut back more than I, I could have, but I was really happy with my race. So when the wind blew hard, I just went within my comfort level. I did not mm -hmm. try to push through it. Mm -hmm. So it, that sounds like a common theme to me when it's when you're feeling poorly or your body's not responding, you're not trying to push through that discomfort. I've done that a couple of times the other way around, and it never had very good results. Okay. So <laughs> live <laughs> so, to race another race. <laughs> yeah, experience has really been your best teacher. For sure. Great. Um, so coming down the uh, the final um, 5K on the run, 
uh, what kind of thoughts were you having? Uh, I was just so happy to have had a good run. I felt fantastic. I mean, it wasn't my fastest race, but I was okay with it. I knew I was going to get to the finish line. I was worried about my dad. I'd seen him a couple times. I'd seen him when I was out on the run. He was just coming in on the bike. And usually the run is where he has his biggest nutritional problems. So mm -hmm. I was just praying and praying that he was having a good race out there and that he would he would make the cutoff and make it in and realize his dream. Yeah. I saw all my friends out there cheering me in, my family, and it was, it was just amazing. There's nothing like running down Elite Drive and knowing uh -huh. that you made it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Were you able to communicate with your dad at all during the race, or did he see you? He saw me. Uh -huh. I saw him. I was coming down on the bike, and he was going up towards Heavy, and I yelled at him, and he looked over and registered. I don't uh -huh. think he saw me when I was running, and he was biking in, but at least I knew that he made it out there. And actually, one of the coolest things uh -huh. is when we were swimming, the guys started ahead of the at the females, right? So right around the turn where you passed the, the boat, the body glove boat, uh -huh. I looked over and there he was. I saw him on the swim. I poked him in the ribs, but not too hard. <laughs> did he remember that? Yes, he did. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> How fun. Um, so as you cross the finish line, do you have any any words to express the emotions you were experiencing? Oh, I was just so happy that it all came together and that I, you know, realized my race strategy and I stuck to it and mm -hmm. I, I had a good race. And mm -hmm. again, a lot of my thoughts were on him and just hoping he had the similar experience yeah now after the race you had to you know you've got two small children who are here in Hawaii with you so you had to kind of go play tag team with your husband right yes um, so when you got home what did you what did you tell your kids about the day oh well, well my daughter was already asleep actually uh -huh. she'd had a big day cheering my son he was just he's three so he, he said oh it's so fun cheering you and I told him how much it meant seeing him out there on the course he's quite the little cheerer with his little cowbell and he had a big time so just gave him a what big a, hug and at that point he was ready to cuddle up and he went to sleep yeah what a good memory for him huh? uh, I hope so yeah. So when did you find out how your dad did? I was watching. We had the live broadcast on the iPad, and then my husband and everybody went down to cheer him into the finish, mm -hmm. and they were texting me updates, too. Oh, so great. I, I saw him and knew that he made it. Fantastic. Yeah. What did you feel when he crossed the finish line? I was just so ecstatic for him, <laughs> so happy for him. I knew he had a rough race based on his time, mm -hmm. but um, but he made it. Mm -hmm. That was his whole goal, to make it to that finish line. And were you able to see him that night, or yeah. did you see him the next day? I saw him that night. He came in. We all had a celebratory drink together. Uh -huh. and <laughs> and all went to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for um, for sitting down and having this interview with me. Uh, are there any final words of advice you might have for other people who want to share the experience of triathlon with their family? I think it's just everything is in balance. Keep it fun. Fun is the most important thing. If you're not having fun out there doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. find something that makes it fun. Great. Thank you very much. Having a good coach helps, too. <laughs> Kirsten can give you a referral. <laughs> thanks, Suzanne. All right, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Next, you'll hear my interview with Volker. I have to apologize for some of the audio quality in this segment. I was interviewing on location and didn't understand my equipment very well back then. You'll hear some pops and other noises that I tried to reduce a bit so they're less obtrusive. However, I made the decision to leave these parts of the interview in because his message is too valuable to edit anything out. I hope you enjoy this segment with Volker. Hi there, this is Suzanne Atkinson, and I'm sitting here in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, and I'm interviewing Volker Winkler, who's uh, just completed the Ironman World Championships. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. <laughs> Congratulations on your, uh, your most recent Ironman. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, Volker, the, one of the reasons I really wanted to sit down and talk to you for a little while is because I find that you're... Your story, which I'm going to learn more about, is pretty interesting as far as how you ended up at the World Championships and uh, who all you have here with you sharing the experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're, you got a legacy slot 
for the World Championships, right? I did. And tell me, um, tell me how you go about getting one of those slots. Who's who's eligible for that position? To uh, be eligible, you have to have completed twelve Ironman, uh, Iron Brand, Ironman branded races, and have done one the last two years, and be registered for one in the year that you're applying for the slot. So you really need to be a, a dedicated, sort of devout Ironman spend a lot of triathlete. Time, <laughs> spend a lot of time doing Ironman or Ironman training. Uh huh. When? How long ago did you do your first Ironman? Uh, it's been about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. About and how, 15 years. How old were you when you did your first Ironman? So that would have made me. I was probably in, in my late 30s. Okay. See, that was a trick question. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's been a little longer than that. Okay. <laughs> a, uh, let me rethink that. I was probably in my early 40s, so it's been a, about 20 years ago since I did an Ironman. Okay. Was that your first triathlon, or had you been doing a lot of triathlons prior to I, the first I, Ironman distance? I did triathlons for five or six years before I did my first Ironman. Okay. Um, well, do you remember your first triathlon experience? I do. I do. It was, what was it uh, like? It was, it was good. It was... Uh, uh, a friend of mine that I used to run with, one of my classmates from up in Canada, talked me into doing that. I, I was a runner for quite a few years, and we did uh, Music City in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, the days of the, the Speedo, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was fun. And I still remember we both, uh, we, sh- we shared a cigarette and a beer in the transition afterwards. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say during transition. Well, <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Good. And do you have uh, raised photos of you in the Speedo? Uh, unfortunately, a few. <laughs> Great. Um, so you you did your first your triathlon then in, when you were in your mid-30s. And by this time, um, where were you living? In Tennessee. Okay. And you have um, an interesting and uh, busy profession. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a... A physician, uh, do general practice in obstetrics, and I'm the managing partner of a uh, rural medical clinic. We have uh, about 28 other providers and 300 employees, so I, uh, I spend about my half my time managing the clinic and half the time working as a physician. Mm-hmm. So we were just also talking about um, your call schedule. You're, you're pretty busy because you're still doing um, some obstetrics. You're still doing deliveries. You're on call about every fourth night. I am. Um, has that been your, your whole career that you've had a work schedule like that, or was it busier when you were uh, younger? Yeah, it was busier. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when uh, I was I was on call pretty well every day for quite a few years, other than when I went on vacation. And mm-hmm. uh, one year uh, delivered up almost uh, 550 uh, babies just by myself that year. So, wow. yeah, I've had some much busier years. <laughs> That's almost so two babies in, a day. Yeah, one, one in four is pretty good. Yeah, so all the 20 and 30-year-olds walking around McKenzie, Tennessee, likely to have been delivered by you? Quite a few of them. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, and then you've got a large family of your own as well. Yes, there's uh, six children, and uh, my oldest daughter, Kirsten, is a much more accomplished triathlete than myself, as you know. <laughs> uh, she... Uh, once I got my legacy slot, uh, she decided that uh, she just had to do Hawaii with me. And uh, even though she was already signed up for Chattanooga and Florida, registered for Louisville, which was two weeks before Chattanooga, and completed one or age group. So she did this, <laughs> did this race with me this time. So it was pretty special. That's really exciting. Um, what what made you decide that you wanted to go for the legacy slot? Did, did that, well... 
did that change how you approached your last few Ironmans that you decided you wanted to try and be here, or were you going to do them anyway? It's certainly, uh, once, once you do triathlons for a few years, uh, Hawaii is the ultimate triathlon. Uh, I have entered uh, multiple lotteries over the years trying to get here. Uh, we live close to Memphis and Memphis in May. It was, a, uh, it was a great triathlon. Uh, they used to have lottery slots for uh, for winners in the age group in Memphis and May, and then they even had lottery drawings afterwards. And we used to sit on in Millington on on the bank and have you know, name after name would be drawn, and people had left already. And uh-huh. I said, "Come on, you have to be able to pick my name." <laughs> and uh, never was able to get the lottery slot. Uh, so when the legacy came out, I was—I'd actually not done an Ironman for a year. I'd missed a year, and uh, I was talking to my partner my, at work about it, and he said, "You know, you do all this training to do one Ironman a year, and you're already in shape. Why don't you just do knock them out and, <laughs> and do a bunch of them?" So I uh, found out about the legacy slot when we we did uh, Kirsten and my other daughter Robin and I did uh, Ironman New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the year they announced the legacy, and I thought, well, maybe I could do one more. And did Louisville, a little, you know, several weeks after New York, and then the next year did four, and then the next year did a couple to, in <laughs> order to <laughs> get qualified for the for the legacy lottery. Uh huh. So I was, I think it's a great thing that Ironman has done to expand the the lottery to uh, give more people a chance to get in and. Uh, I can see in the future that the legacy is going to be uh, a very busy lottery, just like the regular lottery. Yeah. So once you've met all those requirements, uh, done the, the correct number of Ironman branded races, have done one within the previous year, um, are registered for one in the same year, is that a guarantee that you're going to get a spot, or is there still a lottery or some it's, sort of selection process it's, beyond it's, that? It's still a lottery, and uh, of course I send lots of questioning emails wanting to know what my odds were and I, you know the answers are uh, were kind of vague but I did talk with someone who um, has entered the lottery uh, legacy lottery the last two years mm-hmm. and has not gotten in and he said he actually got a call from Ironman Corporation saying that he's probably going to get in next year so <laughs> I think at this point uh, they have 120 slots, it's not a guarantee, but most people are getting in still. Yeah, so and it also sounds like they're sort of paying attention to who's applied in previous years, maybe? I think so. I think yeah. that if you, uh, sort of like the regular lottery, if you apply and don't get in, then you have an extra chance the following year. So each year you have an extra oh, interesting. Per, per application. Okay, what was your reaction when you found out that you got a spot? Oh, I was pretty, I was really excited. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was checking, I was at work and I was checking the website and uh, it was just, you know, I checked a couple times, they hadn't put the names up yet and then my <laughs> son-in-law sent me a text with, a, with my, with, that he'd taken a picture of my, my name on the slot <laughs> and I thought he was, was just messing with me, of course, <laughs> so but I, was, I was really excited because I've been trying well over 20 years to get in so, uh-huh. and uh, I've never... You know, Olympic distance or so on, I can, you know, I can place or win my age group, but I've never even placed in an Ironman race. So I don't really mm-hmm. think it's my forte. <laughs> so you're really attracted to the idea of being here, but 
but the shorter distances might be more where you're competitive. Yes. So congratulations to you for putting all that work in. I mean, you had a, an idea of coming to Hawaii. You had a plan. You knew there was a pathway for you to get here, and you, you certainly did knock out a bunch of Ironman races. Yeah. Well, it was, it was good. I, I've told several people this. I, uh, there are, you know, they have the people complain about the celebrity, celebrity. Celebrities, celebrity athletes <laughs> like uh, you know Apollo, the speed skater that did it this year, and and how they don't have to qualify and and uh, how it's not fair. And I think I I don't have a problem with that at all because it's really not the race; it's the journey of getting here. Mm -hmm. It was uh, uh, for me. It was I think it was so much more meaningful to have tried for all these years and have finally gotten here than if I. Uh, gotten a lottery slot or even won an age group back in Memphis in May 20 years ago and, and come here at that time, yeah. I think I would not have got appreciated it nearly as much as I did this year. Yeah. So what does it mean to you to be here? Well, it's, you know, you, you set certain goals through life and, and you work towards those goals. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I compare, I think of it in my head as uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor, and going through school and everything, you go through university, whatever, it took me about 20 years to reach that, get my medical degree, and this took me a little bit longer, so it's, <laughs> it's probably on, on the same level for me. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of, been one of my goals for so long that uh, it's, I'm, I'm just very happy to finish it. That's, that's incredible. Um, so you mentioned that your daughter Kirsten wanted to do the race with you. So what was her reaction when she found out that you had a had received a legacy spot for this, well, spot was, for this year? Yeah. Well, the whole family was really excited because they, as long as they've been alive, as long as my kids have been alive, <laughs> I've been you know training for this day essentially in their heads because they've they've always uh, she's. 35, so she's as long as she can remember, she'd see me running and swimming <laughs> and biking. And, and so, uh, yeah, the, everybody was very happy and very supportive and happy to make the trip to Hawaii to mm -hmm. cheer me on. So That's it fantastic. was very, very nice to have her, had her and most of my family here for the event. Yeah, it's great. The, the, most of the family came over and has spent the whole week here with you, right? That's week correct. and a half. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was tough for them. They had a place to stay and a flight and everything. So, <laughs> and you forced um, them to come to yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, twisted their arm. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Good. So um, all of your kids are pretty active as well. Most of them are, yes. How, yeah. did, how did you um, get them started in um, competitive events or getting get them followed in your footsteps like uh, Kirsten and Robin have? I, they, were, uh, they were exposed to it as they were growing up constantly, of course. And when they were younger, they always got dragged along to the races and the, the, the fun runs and things like that and and really uh, they were kind of coerced into doing <laughs> at least a 5k once in their lifetime usually around grade one or grade two and after that it, it just came from them Kirsten did not really do triathlon until she was well into college and Robin didn't start doing triathlons until uh, after she finished college and moved back home from mm -hmm. Australia and and Ty was in the, who's in the military now was, uh, he did the went and did a practice swim with me and you know uh -huh. and uh, he bikes and he runs and Roman has been running here so I think it's sort of a 
like water dripping on a rock. You don't really get them to do it, but uh, you know, they kind of wear out. And yeah. So they might as well go along and try some of it. Right. Resistance is, is futile in right. the Winkler family. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I know that uh, f for sure Kirsten and, and Robin um, both love the sport of triathlon, and it sounds like your whole family is pretty active as well. Yes, very so much so. Congratulations on, on raising a, a family that um, is just eager to be healthy, eat well, exercise well. You just had an, an amazing breakfast here cooked by your son-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've been blessed. I've got six really good kids, and uh, it's fun when they get older they to have your best friends be your children as well and to be able to do things. And I can't keep up with them on the bike like I used to, <laughs> but it's still, it's still good fun. Uh huh. So what's next for you? Well, next is because... Uh, I wasn't really sure whether I was going to get into Hawaii. Uh, we are signed up for Ironman Florida, <laughs> so the next is trying to decide whether I really want to do that uh -huh. race or not. <laughs> You've got about two and a half weeks to decide, yes, right? Yes. Well, when I was kind of suffering on that run course, uh, I promised myself that I finished in a lot of time I wouldn't do Ironman <laughs> Florida. Of course, now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should go ahead and do it anyways. I don't know. Uh -huh. I'll see. But after that... Um, I think I'm done with Ironman for a while. We, we're doing the St. Jude's Marathon in Memphis in December. And then it's going to be more Olympic distance and half Ironman and, mm -hmm. and maybe work on getting a bit of a social life again. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Um, so just a couple more questions. Um, you mentioned as you're running down the finishing chute, you know, you promised to get yourself, if you got yourself in under the time, you wouldn't do any more Ironman. So what was it like for you finishing that run? It was, it was a, it was a relief. It was, uh, I had a, a really hard day up there. I, um, much to my chagrin and my family's chagrin, I got off the bike and just where they were standing in the chute, I pretty well threw up all over their shoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was not a. Uh, it was not, the run was not pretty, and I spent most of my time out there on the run doing mental math, saying, <laughs> uh, do I need to, you know, how, how, how fast do I have to do these miles? And then the last four miles, someone said, well, because the guys started 10 minutes ahead of, 10 minutes before 7, we had to finish by 11.50, and, mm -hmm. and so then I thought, oh, now I have to pick it up a little bit, because I, <laughs> I sure didn't want to miss it by a minute or two, and mm -hmm. uh, so... It was it was mostly relief, but it was it was just very emotional, and it's hard to even thinking back on it now. And uh, having been here for this week afterwards, driving along the different routes, it just it keep having flashbacks about how it was, it was just very special, very mm -hmm. um, uh, very. It was just I don't know. It was it was brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, do you have any words to describe the emotions you're feeling as you cross the finish line? Um. It was, it was one of the more amazing, uh, better feelings I've had. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things in life, like you know, delivering your own kids or having your babies born and so on, obviously that are, uh, you know, that you can't compare things to. But as far as that kind of event, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. Great. Well, congratulations again, and thank you. Thank you very much for sitting down and chatting with me. Happy to. All right. Give me a chance to relive some of it. Good. <laughs>
want to thank Kirsten for giving me the go-ahead to publish this podcast in light of her father's tragic passing. She supplied me with all the photos on this episode's webpage, as well as a link to her personal blog. Not only did Kirsten and Volker share a special bond together, but their mutual support and passion for family, health, and sport is infectious. Volker created a micro-oasis in West Tennessee for the sport of triathlon to blossom, and many of the triathletes in and around Mackenzie, Tennessee, are in the sport due to his leadership. If you like our podcast, Try to Listen, we would really appreciate a positive review on iTunes or Google Play. It helps us reach more people looking for triathlon podcasts. We work hard at Try to Listen. Many hours of work go into each episode in order for it to reach the point where it can be released to our listeners. If you'd like to help support some of the monetary costs of hosting, transcription, and production, you can make a small monthly donation on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash try the number two listen for more information and for benefits to supporters. Feel free to reach out to me personally using the contact form on our website, try the number two listen.com. If you have any questions or feedback for our guests, a suggestion for an interview, or if you'd like to be interviewed yourself. In the meantime, please share this podcast episode with your friends. Thanks again. I've been your host, Suzanne Atkinson on Try to Listen. Thank you.